let's read the psalm together before we take our seats this morning. Sound good? Psalms chapter 62, verse 1 through 8. Let's do this standing. The psalmist writes this. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from who? Him. Truly he is my rock, my salvation, my fortress, and I will say together, never be shaken. How long will you assault me? He's speaking to his enemies here. Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from the, my lofty place, lofty place, place. They take delight in lies with their mouths. They bless, but in their hearts, they curse. Catch that. It, with their mouths, they bless, but in their hearts, they curse me. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. Because my hope comes from who? Him. Truly, he is my rock, my salvation, my fortress, and I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. That's my escape. That's my security from attack. Trust in him all at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Refuge. Let's say it one more time. For God is our refuge. One last time. For God, you are our refuge. As you take your seats this morning, find four people to say hello to and say, fix your shorts. <laughs> oh, that got weird. <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, did you? That's what the Lord does. What's up, camera people? I never get to see your faces either. Ma, that's what you look like. So cool. Give it up for our camera people who stand out there every week, and y'all don't even know they do their job so good, you don't even know they're here. Praise God for y'all. And the, the production team, let's give it up for the sound man. You know, without our production team, we would be in a hot mess, so we're very grateful for y'all, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Olin, too, for killing it back there. My title today is What? are you walking with? What are you walking with? But before we go there, I want to tell you a couple things. Do we have time for that? Okay. Yes. Well, I haven't done that since like the fifth grade. Everybody do it together. Yes. My kids do it. I'm like, where'd you learn that? Well, just a couple building updates. I know y'all walked in and said, look, they got new lights. Those are construction lights. Those aren't the new lights. Those are the in-between. You know what's so cool? You never know what you're going to get here week by week at One Seed. You could have a white building. The next week you have a pewter building with a black ceiling, but you got white over here. You got patching over here, and you got some construction lights. That means God's doing something in here. We're not done. We're just starting. So all you online, I know you're, you're thinking right now he looks really dark. And no, we're not going with that new theme from a few weeks ago, Nate. No, we're not doing that. We don't have any spotlights because we had to take them down for the paint. So we're going to fix it soon. God's doing great things here. It's awesome. It's awesome. 
this week, I've been saying this week, this month for like a year, finally this week, our road sign is going in. By the road. Oh, God, test my spirit this last two weeks. Thank you, Spectrum. I love you, devil. Just kidding. Not them. I was talking to the devil. God uses people. I mean, the devil uses people too. We got a 10-foot wide by 12-foot tall, double-sided LED 8-millimeter, if you're willing to geek out with me, road sign. That means they're pretty clear even up close. Normally the road signs, if you're like driving from a distance away, you can kind of make out what it says, but it gets up close. It's like a, a Monet. You just, it's like a, it's a, it's spaghetti pixels, but this one's not, Vince. I said, if we're going to do it, we want to do something. It's just not that much more money. Let's get it so we can read it up close because it looks so much better to be visible and clear. So you're going to see all kinds of cool, we can put video, uh, graphics, anything via the web right on our sign. So the wall sign of the building tells us there's a church here. The road sign says, here's what's going on. And it's going to be bright, baby. They didn't like our wall sign. Wait till the other one's going up. It's One Seed Boulevard, I'm calling it, at this point. We do this for Jesus. <laughs> we really do. But yeah, um, parents, thank you for your patience with the, the O kids. It's, it's a hot mess back there. So some of you don't know, we got 4,500 feet on this side of the building just for our kids coming soon. And, and we tried to like give them the experience, but it's getting a little dangerous because they're just doing a lot of stuff back there. And I thought, you know what, that's good because if you get used to the mess, you may not see how special it is when we cut the ribbon. But if we cut you out for six weeks here, it's going to be like, whoa, what is this? It's going to be brand spanking new when your kids walk into it. So hang with us. Keep coming to church. Don't pull a pandemic corona thing and leave us for a year. Just, just stick with us. The old kids are coming back, okay? <laughs> See, I talked about the kids. I talked about the lights. I talked about, oh, the painting. They missed a spot. Just kidding. That's where they had to stop because we got, like, all this stuff here. So when the wall comes out, then we're going to blast that side. Isn't that going to be cool? The whole building is getting painted. It's a lot of buckets. I want to share something with you because this is not really anything to do with the sermon, but I can tie it in, and I will. This is personal, and I feel like y'all are my family. Can I share something with my family? I got a really cool email this morning. Some of you don't know, I've been in uh, a Master's of Theology program for two and a half years, and... I was a very poor student, never liked school, and enrolled kind of jokingly during corona thinking I wouldn't get accepted, but then I did, so then I have an ego, and I thought, well, I gotta finish it, because I got accepted, and it hurt my pride. And then last year, I was within five classes, and I got really angry, actually right at this time, it was right during this trip, we were about, we were about to take a trip, and we took the trip last year, and I was on the trip, and I thought it'd be smart to start a class during the trip. And this happened to be one of the more strict professors that had like all this reading. I'm like, no. So then I had to, I got mad at myself. So I reflected on him and said, I don't need your school. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to withdraw. I'm, I don't need this degree. After, after 30 something credits, I was going to drop the last five classes, right? Pretty fleshly, huh? How silly, right? So I simmered down. I came home for the trip and Michelle's like, you only got five classes. Why would you stop here at the end? I said, yeah, that would be pretty dumb. Let's just finish. And so I uh, 
have been in this last window of just, it's a 20-page paper. It's, a, it's called an exit thesis. And um, even though I knew I could do it, there's still that last intimidation of that last, like, oh, I'm late for school thing, and I had to write it to be done. So I wrote it, and I turned it on, turned it in. It was on the history of um, the lineage of Christ according to Matthew. And don't worry, this won't put you to sleep. This will actually enlighten you because there's a series coming on it. But it's on Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, the lineage of Christ and, and all the meat in there that you thought it was just the part you're supposed to skip over. Me too, until I wrote a 20-page paper on it and said, wow, have I been blind my whole life on this passage. So we're going to do a really great series about Rahab, Tamar, um, Bathsheba, and Ruth. They shouldn't even be in that lineage, but they are. They're not even Jews, but they're in the Jewish lineage, which is supposed to be 100% pure and authentic. But God shows something about adoption in this process to the royal kingdom. So anyway, I turned in that paper, and he said, send in your rough draft. And so I sent in my rough draft. I'm like, well, this is the final copy to me. (laughs) Please don't send back. The due date was yesterday, so I got this email this morning. Can I read it? He says, Jeff, I know it's weird. He, I'm not his pastor, so he don't call me PJ. That'd be really weird. Jeff, I read your paper. This is from Dr. Machia. He's a very astute theologian and quite intimidating when you first meet him. He's like 69 years old. Jeff, I read your paper. Well done, exclamation point. Your paper is well-researched and well-reasoned, nicely detailed. I like the way you apply your findings to the local church leadership by focusing on the local church's commitment to welcome others, all others, out of grace. By the way, you also had a very good presentation before the class. I can accept this work and fulfillment of your integrative seminar without hesitations. Blessings on your future, Professor Machia. (laughs) No, I'm joking, y'all, but I'm done. Praise God for that. So, and I only share that not because I I opted out of graduation because it's in California and I never did this for anybody to know about it. But I can tell you after being numb through the process, I felt this emotional dump as soon as I got the email, like it was finally finished. And so I just want to tell you, as a, as a 2.3 high school gra- uh, graduate GPA holder, um, I then got a 3.3 in my, my bachelor's, and then I graduated with a 3.8 hi- a career in my master's. And God, I, God showed me, that, like, you were never too dumb for this. You just never applied yourself. And so what I'm trying to tell you all is you're not too dumb for this. You just got to apply yourself. You're not too unqualified for this. You just got to apply, apply yourself. And then God said something else. He says that, that feeling, your feeling of numbness, finally coming back to life, you didn't think you had. He said, that's what's happening with your building. That's what's happening with your church. And you're going to feel this thing just fall off the bones when, when the curtain drops because I'm doing something that you're forgetting about. I'm doing something that you can get used to, like the kids can get used to the, the mess in the back and the shrapnel in the corners and the electric hanging out of the wall. Don't you all feel safe? And, and like all those things. But if you wait and see when that moment hits, you're going to feel the emotional dump with me, says the Lord. So I thought it was really cool. That email came before the sermon today. And um, yeah, it was weird. I didn't know I cared until I got that email. And I just felt a rush of emotion that I can move on with my Tuesday evenings. <laughs> My kids haven't known their dad on Tuesday for two and a half years, so it's pretty cool. If I can do it, y'all can do it. That's what this is about. Talked about the sign. I got a lot of announcements today. 
My lighting's weird, so I, don't, I can't quite see as good on my notes, but I'll make it. It's better than a few weeks ago. How many remember dodgeball? How many like to play dodgeball when they're a kid? Oh, let me remove the when they're a kid part. How many like to play dodgeball? In wrestling dodgeball, they're straight murderers. They don't play like in grade school like I did. Camilla, you're too little. No, you're too little. You can't even walk. Okay, I know you're walking soon, but all right. <laughs> That's my daughter. <laughs> it's, it was cute before, Camilla. <laughs> She's a little feisty one. Anyway, uh, fifth grade, we're playing dodgeball in uh, Shenandoah Valley, Appalachian Trail, Chesterfield, Missouri, circa 1989. 88, and uh, we're playing dodgeball, and, and sorry, Michelle, there's Kelly Phillips, the girl I had a crush on from the third grade, staring there, just made fun of me. She was so mean to me, but for some reason, I, I thought she was cute, and uh, I was trying to impress her with my dodgeball game, Chris, and so we were standing there, and, and anybody remember the, the jams shorts? Does anybody know what jams are? They were like big baggy shorts before all shirts were big and baggy. Like in the 80s, you had to wear like the gym shorts. But then the jams came out, and they were these funky colored flower shorts. Well, for some reason, I never could get a pair of jams, but my mom had a pair of swim trunks that I wore that looked kind of like them. So what did I wear to fifth grade? My swim trunks. <laughs> mom, what's up? Why didn't you get me some jams? It didn't catch up to me till today. I'm like, why did I not get the jams? Was I not worthy? <laughs> so I'm wearing these slightly too tight jams for my chubby little legs. And we're playing dodgeball. They're not baggy like the real jams. They're a little tight. And so, so we're playing, and someone throws the ball, and I'm like, woohoo, rip. <laughs> the whole back side was gone. And there was Jeff's little whitey tidies. Can I just be real? And so I'm like, oh my Jesus, Kelly Phillips is out here. Oh my, I didn't care about nobody else, but Kelly Phillips was right there. I'm like, how am I supposed to be cool like this? Fifth grade, my, my whole backside's hanging out. So they, they called a code red, and they sent me to the nurse's office, and my, my orchestra teacher got out the safety pins, and she pinned me shut. Ooh, it's, it's like hurting to think about it, Chris. I couldn't move my legs further than this apart for those safety pins not to take in place. Not to, not to come apart. And so I had to go through the rest of the school days with these safety pins in my shorts. And then I got home, and I just want to tell you I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> I don't know if that was a laugh or a cry or a little bit of both, but I feel you, sister. <laughs> my refuge was DuckTales, the cartoon, because kids were mean to me. And so I would get off the bus, go home, and I would watch DuckTales every day. And so this particular day, I was really excited to go watch my, my DuckTales with the Scrooge McDuck, the Huey Dewey, and the Louie. And I had to get off at the bus stop at Andrew Sook's house, and then I come to the backyard, I go down the steep hill, and there we go into my house, and I watch DuckTales. Well, this day I had those stinking shorts on. They're about to pop any day. So I get off the bus, and I go behind the backyard, and I just yelled my biggest Braveheart freedom. You ever heard Mel Gibson voice? And I went, freedom screamed, and I ripped them off and I went down in my underwear because <laughs> I didn't care. I wanted those things off. I was fifth grade, y'all. It's not weird. I went down my hill into my house with them just 
I don't even know. I think I took them and I threw them and I ran free. And all this to tell you, I was going to watch DuckTales. That's actually why I told this story. And anybody that remembers DuckTales remembers Scrooge McDuck. And not only did he have money, but he had a cane, right? He had a cane, and he had Huey, Dewey, and Louie, his nephews. And he relied on two things, his money and his cane, right? And so I thought it's kind of funny. Like, here's a guy that's got everything, but yet without his thing to lean on, without the thing he's walking with, he's going to have a little bit of a tough time anyway, you know? Security? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Even on my own children, what we got to do, we got to do. Sometimes God, <laughs> DuckTales, uh, ripped dodgeball shorts. This is really deep, Pastor. Thank you for wasting my time this morning. Sometimes God's word needs to be given in a way that isn't so deep, you know? Because if you get too theological on people, they get tired. If they're not there yet, we need to, to be stretched for sure. But if they don't get the basics of God's word, they'll never stay encouraged. If I throw the Bible at you when you walk in, you may leave hurt instead of encouraged. I want you to be encouraged. I need encouragement. So sometimes I go back to basics because God said to preach, preach encouragement. David here was, was crying out for encouragement to himself by remembering what he walked with. You getting this? And so sometimes we got to get back to the basics to remember who God even is in our life. And that will raise your confidence in him, therefore creating dependence on him. Who is God to you this morning? Look to your neighbor and say, who is God to you? Who is God to you? Everybody's in, uh, answer may be a little different. I was looking at our sermons this morning, Nate. I've preached over 280. That's a lot. And after preaching around over 280 the last six years, sometimes I forgot I forget to step back and just remember who is God. Like, really, you can talk about it so much, you forget to actually talk to him and remember, like, who he really is to you and why you, why you give out meat on his behalf because you've, you've forgotten to simplify it down to the focus of just who is God. That's why the baptisms were so good last week. How many were fed by that? That was so restoring to my soul to just get down in the water with the people, the basics, remembering this is what it's about. And so that was so refreshing to our whole, our whole church, and, and that's why those are so powerful to witness. But yeah, after, after all these years, you have to go back to square one in order to remember where your strength's at and what you're walking with to do another five years and another five years and then another generation and another generation because there's going to be times in your walk where you're, you're not sure if your cane's working. But based on that reflection, I asked myself, is God at the center of this journey for me? Is God in my decision-making? Am I really depending on him, or am I only allowing him to rescue me from my fleshly mistakes? And that's when we talk. Has anybody ever only let him in to the conversation when you're desperate? And when you're not desperate, you kind of go on vacation from him? See you in September, God. That's like, the, that's like the church way. Can I be real? 
Y'all good, right? Like I can be honest? Okay, good, good. Pastor says he can be honest. Am I walking with a spiritual swag or a fleshly limp today? What am I walking with? Am I sustained by the goodness of God's mercy and favor and consciously thinking through that as my life screenplay takes shape? Or is God, God just in my world and I create the steps I'm ultimately taking? It can be a combination of both. It can be a percentage thing like last week. We, we fluctuate that percentage. What are you walking with today? What are you walking with? Well, we're all leaning on something. The question is, what is it? Lean on me when you're not strong. Come on. And I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Somebody to lean. Come on me, brother. When you need a hand, we all need. Even Scrooge. I don't even know the rest. Y'all sing it. Okay, this is church. Now everybody just stop that. But now you'll remember, you're leaning on something. What is it? What is it? Is it your wallet? Is it your ride? Is it your overpriced supplements from Instagram that you've got to return anyway because they taste the same as all the others and you can't tell a difference? Is it your family? Is it your job? That's a big one. Some people lean on their job. Without their job, they feel like they have no identity. You have an identity. It's not what you do. It's who you are. God made you to be who you are. So even when you lose the job, you're still who you are to God. And so when people lose their job, they lose their identity, and they think their life's over, and, oh, God, what will I talk about at the table on Friday night because that's all I know to talk about is all the meetings and stuff I do. That's my hobby now. My hobby is to talk about my job, and that's fine. But you're not your job. That's just something you do. You are a, a child of the chosen. God chose you. You are chosen. Excuse me. If God is everything I need... Why do I often so many times, I speak like Yoda sometimes, lead without him? So we'll look for a shortcut when it's there, and then we'll lean on that. It's good enough mentality. It's good enough. If God is good in the down times, what will God be to me when I'm in a hurry? Am I going to go with it's good enough, or I still need God to be first? Am I still going to lean on God when I'm in a hurry? Or am I going to hire the lawn people to cut the grass? Like, am I going to lean on God? I'm in a hurry. It's not convenient anymore. It's a battle of us versus him. His will versus our will. We say the prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, Lord. But yet when the shortcut comes and we're in a hurry, we'll go ahead and take it. We'll take the Cliff Notes version. What are you leaning on? What are you walking with? What you walk with is what you lean on. Just like the duck with the top hat. His cane. 
My trust is in him. But more times than not, it's in me. Can I be real? Y'all put trust in yourself? Or you put trust in him? Or is it a little both? How often is it one or the other? That's a hard question to be honest with because honestly, it's often myself. Because the more strength we feel in the, in the success we see, the more we forget that we're really broken and weak always. And as soon as the pandemic hits, or as soon as the thing's not there that makes us feel that identity fulfillment, we remember where we came from, God. And so, God, now we need you again. Where was he when I was feeling good? You should be confident to lean on God when you're happy, when you're excited. We want you to leave here encouraged, but know that you're leaning on God anyway. God don't want you to ever stop leaning on him. Doesn't mean you're not independent. It means you're just smart enough to know, you're, excuse me, it's not an intelligence, it's a wisdom. You're wise enough to know where your strength is, always, always. He desires you to be confident as the church. He doesn't want you to lay down for the enemy, but he doesn't want to get things out of order with where the strength comes from. And that's real easy to do. The psalmist here was desperate enough to go all in. You got to get desperate to go all in where Christ is your strength and your focal point in the good times too. When you're in the blessing, remember Christ. When you're in the, in the valley, remember Christ. Don't forget him on the hilltop and only remember in the valley because he's the mountain both times. He's there at all times, in your highs, in your lows, when you're hated and when you're loved, when you're stoned and when you're blessed, when you're prayed for and when you're cursed for, he's with you. So what are you walking with today? What's important is that we switch what we're walking with to who we're walking with. We talk about leaning on God. You can hold his hand. Now I'm walking with him. When I replace the what, which is just an object, with the who, now I can hold his hand through this. There's something about holding hands. What, what do you do when you like somebody? You just hold their hands sometimes, especially when they're it's smitten and everything's new, and you still get the car door. I know y'all get the car door for, forever. Y'all good like that. I forget sometimes. Does anybody forget to get the car door for their loved ones? Okay. It's not just me. Thank you, Lord. When you switch to it being a thing, to a who, there's, there's a relationship in that. And when you start holding God's hand, it becomes a breathing, life-giving relationship. And he's no longer a thing to me. He's a proper noun. He has a name at that point, Jesus. 
Jesus has feelings. God has feelings. Everything that God is came, that we feel came from him. So therefore, when we quit treating him like an, 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 an I cannot, inanimate object like some other religions do, we'll never have that personal connection. But when we realize he's willing to come down and walk in the trenches and take our hand, now he's who are we walking with instead of what are we walking with. And the who becomes life. And loved, we feel the love from that. It's like when, you're, when your mommy or daddy holds your hand going in the store. You know it gets annoying by the fifth grade, but you know somebody loves you. They're trying to protect you from the people driving through the parking lot. If it was just like a, a, a machine that took me to the store, I wouldn't feel any care for that. That would just be a process. But when you take the hand of someone... It becomes a, a relationship. It becomes a gesture. And so that's how you know you're walking with God because when you feel that, you remember he's holding your hand. Even so, the world hasn't noticed it or the world has let go of your hand. Jesus hasn't. Look at verse 4. This is going to be good. Surely they intend to topple me from the lofty place. Can we get verse 4 up there? Surely they intend to topple me from the lofty place. They, tell it, they take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. I know we just had a feel-good moment there, but now I'm going give to you, give you the other side to this. With, with their mouths they bless, you don't have to curse God out with some language. Because our life is what we express out of our heart. So if we are um, admonishing and, and honoring God and being reverent, we are blessing or cursing him with our life. You didn't even know that. I didn't know that by not caring, I was hurting God. That it hurts God when I just say I don't care to be there. I don't have time for it. I only come when all the stuff's there. Like God loves dedication because it shows how much of a heart and passion you have to be with him and his people. And so when we talk about blessing and cursing, like we think that's a little deep. He said we curse the Lord. I'm saying we curse the Lord all the time with our behavior. It's not our mouths only. We can speak it right just like the psalmist says, but our hearts are cursing him. Because our hearts are not right. So it's just mindless chatter. Unless it's truthful in the heart, it's not truthful here. You can clap for that. So I want you to take it with you this week. When you think it doesn't matter that you come to church, or you think it doesn't matter that you go all in with, with your whole life to God, you can, you can look at it like the psalmist says, it's a curse to God because he put it all on the line for you. And he wants you to look at this life like put it all on the line for him. And that's how we show love back to him. And we grow in that. It's not an over, overnight uh, sanctification, but, but we are to see that and grow off the milk into the meat and see that. It hurts God. How many have a parent whose kid has done something that hurt them? We can relate to that. And the kid is so worried about getting in trouble, what they don't really understand is mom and dad's just really brokenhearted. I've seen it with my, my whole family tree, plus I'm seeing it with my own kids and learning as a dad. And what they don't understand is you're not, you're not mad at them, you're hurt. 
And so, and so the behavior can cause, can cause a, a cursing reaction to the relationship without any words spoken. How many got distant relatives that don't like something they did? So they don't talk as much to you anymore. Okay, now we're getting down to the root of this thing. Like, they don't know that it's, it's more so hurting you more than anything. You're not mad. You love them. But, but we're, we're cursing the tree when we opt out. We got we to gotta remember what we're walking with here. Instead of justifying why it's okay to cut them out, and it's not okay to cut them out, but then we, we got to talk about grace. If we understand grace, we can't forget grace even when they don't deserve it, because guess what? Neither do we. We don't deserve it. Who are you walking with? David doesn't promise the problems will go away in this. He's saying, I got problems. This is how I get through it. He's saying, this is how I get through it because you are my rock, my refuge, my fortress, my salvation. I stand on you for strength so I know I can get through it with a smile on my face. He didn't say you're going to take it away. That's what made me better, Lord. Thank you for that battle. That's what makes me better. That's what pressure does is it takes a rock and forms it into a diamond. My possessions... Scrooge can't protect me. And my gifts can only go so far for a season. That's why you got to go back to basics with God every once in a while and say, do I remember who you are? I see the fruits of who you are in my life, but do I remember who you are to me? Do I remember who you are? Why I had a heart for you, God. What sparked my heart for you back then, God? Because you can get so busy for the mission that you forget the mission. And I'm not just talking to pastors here. I'm talking to the church. You can get so good at the process, you forget the point of touching lives as they walk through the door. That's what the professor said. He said, I liked how you talked about anyone being welcome in your church. Well, yeah, isn't that what Jesus did? We, like, we would turn somebody away. I'm not going to agree with y'all, but I would never say you can't be in this house. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm like super conservative. You come in messed up, I'm going to say, bro, that's not right, but we love you. Get in God's house. God can do something with you. That's grace. Grace don't mean you got to bend for every moral, ethical thing you have in, in, in the culture. Grace means you're going to love them anyway. And that's what we do. And so that's evidently not common in church anymore to love them. Isn't that sad? When I pray on my own, two things I always thank God for, and I thank him because I already know I asked him, and I know he's a fulfiller of those things. I don't have to worry about it. I thank him for his protection for me and my family, and I thank him for his never-ending love and mercy to my family and my children. And then I go through things like, God, please help me be a good dad. Let me be not blind to the things I don't see. And God, help me be a good husband. Help me be a good brother, a good pastor, a good friend. And I go into those things, but the first thing I always start with is I always thank him first. I thank him first, because if we ever lose gratitude for why we started this thing, why Jesus came to the cross, the rest, the rest will not make sense. It regrounds you into the mission, and that will switch your what to who when we do that. 
and you'll remember who you're walking with, that you're not walking with the banks. Oh, boy, I'm going to get real now. <laughs> you're not walking with the construction crew. You're not walking with the banks. You're not walking with the city of O'Fallon. You're not walking with the people digging holes in your ground. You're walking with Jesus. And the rest is fruit from the tree. And that when you're wavering about what the tree health looks like, you say, what is the source of my root? That's Jesus. He's the root of the tree. The rest is fruit from the tree. Don't judge the root. If it, don't call the root the fruit because the fruit is from the root. I can be confident in that. I want you to leave confident today because you can be confident in his promise. I used to, this used to drive me crazy. Can I, can I preach about church stuff? <laughs> oh, well, you're a pastor in a church. What does he mean? I used to get so irritated as a kid. Every time I left church, I was so down. Felt so down. Aren't we supposed to lift people up? So I know we're supposed to, supposed to give them the word and show them correction, but at the end of the day, I want you all to leave encouraged, lifted up, knowing you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Like you can do these things, that you're more than a conqueror with Christ in you, that when you leave here, you're not just on the floor broken. you got strength to get up and go conquer the enemy. And so the church used to leave me broken. That was the way church was. You leave, you leave more down than when you came in. I don't want a church like that. I want to know a God who loves me and lifts me up and is excited to see me prosper. He's excited to see you prosper. He's excited that you're confident because you're remembering who you're walking with. And that's the difference. It doesn't mean we don't give meat. It don't mean we don't not share correction. But at the end of the day, we got to show where the resolution's always going to be, and that's where the strength's at, and that's Jesus Christ. When everything dries up, his vine is still ripe and producing fruit. When that pork you bought from Deerberg's and you microwave that puppy, it dries a bone and you think you're going to choke to death, just remember his vine is always ripe and never dry and producing fruit. <laughs> Y'all can stand this morning. Hmm. Can we show verse 8 one more time? Let's read this. I want to read this together. It's pretty short. Can we put verse 8 up on the screen? There we go. Let's say it together. Trust in him at all times, you people. Y'all say it together. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. For God is our refuge. For God is our, okay, now you're getting it. So when you leave here, you can say, who is my refuge? God is. Who is my fortress? Who is my rock? Oh, Lord, let me hit rock bottom so I can remember you're holding me. Hit the rock, lay on the ground when you got to. Feel totally down knowing that God's going to resurrect that thing. You got this. You got this. You can feel exhausted for God once in a while because God's got this. God's got it. 
we push worship so much because worship corrects my walk. And now you're not limping, you got a spiritual swag. It's a holy walk now because worship corrects, correct, cannot talk today, corrects my walk from a broken limp to a spiritual swag. You're strong, baby. Uh, say, I'm strong. Say, I'm strong. Look to your neighbor, tell him you're strong. We swagging, baby. We swagging for Jesus. We're not limping. We're swagging in the spirit because I'm strong. I know who I walk with. You can't stop me, devil. If I got to tell you like it is, devil, I will because I know where my strength's at. And you don't even make me nervous, devil. I want to tell you a closing story here that I think will be funny but encourage you. When we first started the church, and technically we started January 2017, we launched service January 2018. In the first three months of January 2018, I got this really sweet message on, guess what, Facebook. Y'all know where this is going. We talked about going back to square one in a, in a Pharisee world. We talked about going square one in an in a overly re religious church community that needs to get back to Jesus. And I got this message, and at first I was offended, and then I felt blessed because this lady said in the message, that is a really good message. Whoever's your pastor, that is so good. That would be really good for little kids. I was mad. You know what I heard? You're not good enough to talk to adults. I was like, what is this, playtime? You're really good. That was so good. I can't wait to tell my great-grandchildren about it. It was something crazy like that. And I'm like, that means they're like seven. I'm like, she calling this preschool what we're doing? Well, last I checked, the Bible says if you don't act like them, you can't get in. If you don't preach it that connects with the faith of a child, you can't get in. That's why we call it one seed, because I'm ADD, and I can only take one, baby. I got to have one seed to get it. And so we got this Pharisee mindset that we can dump it all on the floor and walk out of here empty. And God said, no, you're going to preach a church that lands one seed that actually roots some life and changes people. And so I don't, I don't know if I ever responded. I probably said, thank you so much. And then I went, Michelle, she made fun of me. What do I do? I don't remember, but I got over it. But after a while, I started thinking, you know what? That was a compliment. That was a compliment because we're doing it different. Because they were so, the blinders were on, Vince. It wasn't theological enough. I didn't have my rope going. Well, he were, one time they talked about my shoes. One time they talked about my pants. I said, that's why I did it. I want you to, because I don't want to be like that. We don't want to be like that. We're going back to the basics so we know who we're walking with because we're lost in the tradition. We're lost in the tradition. We're flat, spiritually numb, traditionalists. We want relationship. We can praise for that, amen? Come on, somebody. Let's give him praise. Let's go out and worship now. Let's go to worship, amen.